So good. Man, that song is, it's not an accident that we sung that song. That was purposeful, intentional, spirit-led for what we're talking about today, what we're focusing on. As we continue our Not Alone series, we are anchored in 2 Timothy 1.3. 2 Timothy 1.3 says that God has given us through his divine power, everything that we need in life, physically, relationally, here, and godliness in pursuing him and following him, everything that he would ask us to do, call us to in this life and the life to come. He has granted us everything that we need by his ability, by his means, so that we would be able to live this life and the life to come and everything that God's designed us to through knowing him, through the knowledge of him for his glory. So if we have uh, went through this sermon series, we have focused on the Father, we have focused on the Son, we have focused on the Holy Spirit, God, one God in three persons, that's where we've been. Today we are going to talk about angels, of all things, angels. How many of you, even online, show a little hand up, how many of you have ever heard a full message on angels? Got a few hands, that's okay, got a few hands. I'm curious online. Uh, I don't think I have. I don't think I have in 22 years of following Jesus and been a preacher and listened to you know who knows how many sermons. I, I can't think of one. Uh, so this has been a fascinating study in, in preparing for today. Now, in preparing for a topic like angels in this Not Alone series, what comes to mind for me is 2 Timothy 3.16. It's a 3.16 passage, like John 3.16, but it's 2 Timothy. And it says this. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable It is advantageous, it is beneficial for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that the men and women of God may be complete. Whole nother sermon about that word, complete. Equipped for every good work. So as we dive into this message on angels and the fact that you are not alone as a believer, as a son and daughter of God, God has given you everything you need. This is going to be a different message. And it is profitable for you to teach you, train you, maybe even correct you a little as God is forming you into his son and being like him as he has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. Okay? Here we are. We're going to dive in here. Uh, So in setting up this message, uh, this message is not titled, All Things You Could Ever Know About Angels. That would be, you'd be here for a really long, long time. And so you will end up probably having some questions, maybe even more questions about angels when we started here. Hopefully there'll be some answers, but you might have some more questions. Uh, This topic is non-typical. So I have to go about it in a non-typical way as well. Now, it's kind of a good thing. Um, I'm really wanting to root and ground you in the word of God. As 
All scripture is breathed out, given from God himself to you so that you would know him and be equipped and shaped. I'm gonna continue to root and ground the things that we're talking about in different passages. We're gonna read some of them and then I'm going to just make reference to other passages. So it'll be a little heavier scripture reference that's not to overwhelm you, that's to uh, point out root and ground what we're talking about. We're not just talking about angels or making up our own opinions. What does God say about what he made, okay? Uh, I'd encourage you as you listen to focus on one or two things. What resonates with you? What's God stirring in you? Uh, what, what is intriguing? And so focus on those things. And then I want to uh, use a, a, pat, a, a quote from Sanjay, one of our uh, teaching members. He says this. He says, if you've decided to believe in God, okay, how many of you that's true for you? You have decided to believe in God. You have already signed up to believe a lot of other crazy stuff. True nonetheless, right? But it is not, you can't use empirical evidence to prove the existence of angels. It's not something observable, though it is able to be documented. It is documented. But it's not necessarily reproducible and testable in a controllable environment, right? So there's not necessarily empirical evidence about angels, but we're going to the source, the one, the author, the perfecter, the designer, and seeing what he has to say. So, not alone. You, believer, you, brother, sister, are not alone in this life because God has created myriads of angels. Myriads of angels. Now, how many of you use that word all the time? Right? Yeah, just like me. Myriads of angels. But it's not an accident. Revelation 5 says it well. Revelation 5, verse 11. Then I looked. And this is one I want you to see and read. We're going to start with it, and then we're going to come back to it. Okay? Then I looked. This is the Apostle Paul. Excuse me. The Apostle John, as he is brought by an angel to have a revelation, to see a, a window into heaven, into the spiritual realm, into eternity, this is one of the things that he saw as he recorded, documented his eyewitness account. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, the throne of God, and the living creatures, and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, and we'll get into that as we finish up. Myriads and myriads, what are myriads, right? Uh, the word is used to describe endless, countless, innumerable, okay? You know some things that are myriads of myriads, endless, countless, you, you, you couldn't even if you tried. Like stars, stars. Here is an attempt to capture the universe. Okay, this is a picture in an attempt to capture the universe. Now what you see there are not just stars. That's not a picture of 
say, 20,000 stars. Stars are not just scattered throughout the sky. They're actually grouped together in groups that we call galaxies. So this is a picture capturing galaxies. Every single one of those lights that you see is not enough to be a star in and of itself. It is a galaxy. Now, it is thought that there are two trillion galaxies, whatever that number means, right? Thousands, millions, billions, trillions. That is two trillions of galaxies. Now, uh, going to the next picture here, it is thought, this is the Milky Way galaxy, this would be one of two trillion galaxies, right? In galaxies, it is thought to be 100 to 400 billion stars within one galaxy. Anybody feeling small yet? Anybody feeling like God is big yet? Okay, you are here, I love that. You are here. It's a good thing that you're not in the center of it because there's a black hole there and you'd be torn to pieces. Okay, so God appropriately orchestrated that we would be in the arm over here. But there are 100 billion to 400 billion stars within our galaxy. We know one of them, right? We're close to one of them. You can go to the next slide there. Here's ours, right? One star within hundreds of billions within our galaxy of uh, one to two trillion galaxies, right? Anybody having a hard time capturing these numbers? That's what we're talking about. Myriads and myriads. Now you're, you're wearing the same tension I have been in trying to capture this topic. We are small. God is big. Myriads and myriads. And this is what... John saw endless, countless, countless. You, my friends, are not alone. You are not, you are far from alone. God has created myriads and myriads of angels. Now, in order to be able to preach this message, I had, it, it's, there's rules and laws about preaching. And so if I did a six point sermon, that would be breaking some rules. However, with a little bit of creative license, you can do an acrostic and you can get away with it and it's approved. So that's what I did. Angels. A. Angels. Angels. A. They appear as assigned. They appear as assigned. Hebrews 13.2 is a great passage about this. Hebrews 13.2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels and not been aware of it. They have not known it. So, do not be surprised. Serve, be compassionate, be generous. Allow God to use you as a conduit of his grace. Don't stop doing that. And there's uh, some contextual things about the uh, dispersia and uh, suffering of Christians, running and hiding and all that stuff that play into this passage. But the truths are nonetheless, be God's hand and feet and be his grace. And as you do that, you do not know that you might be engaging and entertaining uh, some angels in your compassionate efforts. God could be testing you because they appear in human form for those assignments. Angels are, they appear as assigned. In other places, we have different descriptions. In Isaiah 6, I'm just going to make reference to this passage. In Isaiah 6, we have Isaiah uh, before the throne of God, and there is a seraphim 
before him. It is described that he has six wings. He has two that he covers his feet, two that he covers his face, and two that he flies. And in another passage talking about seraphim, they are covered in eyes. Pretty interesting. Creation by God. You are not alone. And then from Genesis 3, we see a picture of an angel. As Adam and Eve sinned and they fell, they chose sin. And they were banished from the Garden of Eden. God put an angel called a cherubim with a flaming sword before to protect them from themselves from suffering in sin and decay and corruption forever if they ate from the tree of life. No, not yet. So Jesus, or so God put a cherubim there, okay? So those are, I, I highlight those because those are different kinds, okay? It's important to know what kinds. There's also some uh, kind of human-like ones that are revealed that are shiny. They wear white robes and it's like lightning that are captured in different places too, okay? So the point is, as God sees fit, he assigns them appropriately to the task at hand and they appear in such form, okay? Everybody intrigued so far? Okay, angels are as important as it is to know what they are, it's important to know what they're not. Angels are not chubby angel babies. This is very important to have your theology accurate, right? What does God actually say about them? They are not chubby angel babies. And this will actually be comforting to you. We'll get to that point, okay? Angels are not cupids like the Renaissance era captures or Hollywood or whatever, okay? Uh, Angels are not depicted even as female. Interestingly enough, there is not a passage that captures, that reveals a angel as female, There's some male names, and the references to the ones that are revealed are uh, are men. Interesting enough. Now, we don't need to necessarily take that to the fullest extent and say that there are not at all. It just doesn't reveal that. So God hasn't revealed that. So uh, what is revealed is these things. They're not chubby angel babies. And so far, according to what we know, there's not female. Interesting. It's important to also know when you die, you don't become an angel. You do not. You do not get wings either. It's important to know what angels are and are not. Here's some pictures here, okay? Uh, Here are some Jewish men. And this very well could have been like the two men that uh, visited Abraham in Genesis 18, and promised him the promise that he was given. Or Genesis 19, that came and visited Lot. Or the man that stood with Jesus' disciples, the resurrected Jesus, as he ascended to heaven, there were two men, angels, that stood with them and saying, what are you guys waiting for, right? So they could have been very common, ordinary. They, They showed up as they were assigned. And that could take different shape. They're not necessarily all Jewish or whatever. Uh, Then we have, here's the picture of a seraphim. This is an artist's attempt to capture a large six-wing angel with eyes all over him. And this would be Ezekiel's experience here. 
And then there's the cherub. This would be the one that's placed up in Genesis 3 to guard with that flaming sword. Pretty strong, pretty intense. So out of those pictures, would anybody say they're chubby angel babies? No, no. Angels, they appear as they're assigned. They are not chubby angel babies, and this is important. God gives angels to God's people, okay? Angels are assigned, and they give to God's people. That, that is their assignment. Hebrews 1.14 is, is important to read and to know, okay? Hebrews 1.14 says, are they not all, referring to angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Aren't angels the, the point and the purpose of all of them? To minister, in other words, to serve. That's all ministry is, is serving. A minister is a servant. Are they not ministering spirits? They're not physical beings, they are spiritual beings, and they are spiritual beings sent, sent to serve for the sake of you, for the sake of you, for the sake of helping you, leading you, guiding you, correcting you, testing you, helping all of you who are to inherit the salvation that God has called you to and all that are in the world. And as we already saw, there are myriads and myriads of them. Interesting enough, God doesn't need one of them. God is not in need. He is never in need. He only made them because he wanted them. He only made them because he thought that was best in carrying out his plan, his vision, his purposes. He does not need one myriad of a myriad in order to do his work in your life. But he thought it best. He thought it good. And so they give. They give to you. They give to God's people. Another fascinating verse is Matthew 18.10. I think this is also important to read and see with your own eyes as well. Regarding giving and serving the people. Jesus' words. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, one of these kids. Is he's making reference to, see that you don't despise any child, any young child. For I tell you that in heaven, what are those next two words? Their angels. Interesting. Their angels always see the face of my father. Okay, so a few things to know about this. Jesus is very protective of children. Very protective. God himself is protective of children. And then we also see, I tell you that in heaven, and he is from heaven, so he knows exactly what he's talking about. He says, they're angels, like it's possessive. This is the verse that uh, people build the case for a guardian angel. This is the verse, Matthew 18, 10. Now, there's not a lot of other supportive passages to be able to define that and be able to capture a great doctrine of you know, guardian angelship, but there's a thought, right? 
Their angels always see the face of God. Angels are before God and they have direct access to God. So you better be careful, right? They are given to serve the works of God and the people of God and little kids even. And this is where miraculous stories come in. When you hear about those stories of a car, there was a car accident and the car pinned down someone and they were able to lift up the car, right? Superhuman strength going against all science known, right? How? How? Well, Probably, possibly, an angel was there. Or deathbed experiences, or life and death experiences, and they were saved just at that right moment. Or someone saw a light, a glimmering. Right? There are countless stories. I heard of one from one gentleman this morning sharing about an exchange that his wife had had with a possible angel she shared something as I will pray for you in this very specific way that nobody knew about and they wonder right you wonder you can't necessarily put your finger on it and empirical evidence of how do you reproduce that but you go God made myriads and myriads of angels. He knows exactly what he's doing and they are active. He himself is active. He says, my father is always at work, John 5, 17, and I too am always working. And then he has myriads and myriads and myriads of angels doing his work as well for you. You are not alone, brothers. You are not alone. God sees you, knows you, and he has sent his angels to minister and serve and to carry you along this journey. You are not alone. He is at work. He is not done yet. And you need him. You need him. You need them fighting battles that you cannot fight. In the spiritual realm, this world is a lot more than just the physical realm, what you can see, feel, taste, touch. There's a lot more going on, and you need them. Angels give to God's people, and angels execute God's judgment. Execute God's judgment. Now, that word, judgment, has several understandings to it. You guys make judgments all the time. I made a judgment yesterday, right? I have these old, rotten, gross bananas, and one was grosser than the next. Those would be good for banana bread, and that one needs to go, right? My dentist makes judgment all the time. I wish they wouldn't, but they do, right? You need more help, right? Why aren't you flossing, right? Anybody else? Liars, where are you at? That's right. We got one honest person back there. Thank you. Right, we make judgments all the time. That person is not safe. That situation is not safe. We make judgments all the time. So does God. And God is carrying out his plan. He is executing his plan. And angels are a part of carrying out that plan. And we have a ton of amazing stories. I'm gonna highlight briefly three. We have Joshua, right as they step into Canaan, Joshua 5, they're about to go to Jericho, and there's this super cool experience, this interaction with an angel. And he says, Joshua meets this man-like figure, 
Man, seems like a man, okay? Joshua asked the question, who are you for? Are you for our enemies or are you with us? And he says, neither. I'm not, I'm not for you. I'm not for them. I am the commander of the Lord's army. I am for the Lord and what he is doing. And then there's an amazing story of how God was speaking in that and then what he did, obviously, with Jericho, Joshua 5. You have this beautiful story, 2 Kings 6. There's great armies against them, uh, the Syrians and uh, Elisha, S-H-A, Elisha with his servant. They are, the servants scared. Elisha prays, God, help my servant see what else is going on here beyond just the physical realm. And he was able to peel back heaven, the atmosphere itself, and be able to see the spiritual realm itself. And it says that he opened up his eyes and the young man saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around, mounted with angels. And they led the enemies to the people of God. And there is this amazing mercy that was shown. God is a God of mercy. He wipes out what he needs to wipe out. He judges harshly what he needs to. And he shows mercy because he is a God of mercy and he rather, he loves showing mercy. And in this situation, he showed them mercy and he expected the people of God to show them mercy too. You feed them as you would want to be. You give them water and they let them go peacefully. And then it says the Syrians never went back to attack them again. And an angel, angels, myriads even, were active spiritually in making that situation happen. And then 2 Kings 19, we have a powerful demonstration of one angel killing 185,000 warriors in one night. One to 185,000. Angels execute God's judgment. Angels carry out God's work and God's plan in the world and in your life. And you need them to be chubby angel babies? No, no, you do not need soft and cute. You need dangerous and strong. You need holy ones that stand before the face of God and carry out appropriately, always obedient, these angels of God carrying out God's work in the world and in your life. Brothers and sisters, you are not alone. God is at work. He sees you. He knows you. He is at work in your life, carrying you, seeing you through to inherit salvation that he has for you. You are not alone. You are not alone. We see in this battle, this spiritual battle, uh, that there is also an enemy at work as well. And I had to fit him in somewhere, so I said, and the acrostic, so I said, loser Satan. Loser, loser Satan. That's how I, it doesn't, it makes sense and it doesn't make sense, so just work with me here. Loser angels, loser Satan, okay? In Ezekiel 28, and Isaiah 14, it is, uh, it is prophetically said that Satan once was an angel. 
Satan, known as Lucifer, or the devil, the adversary of the brethren, the father of lies, his native language is lying, was actually good. God didn't make Satan. He made Lucifer a cherubim. He was actually a cherubim, like the one in Genesis 3 with the wings and the flaming sword, right, big and strong. Some theologians believe that he, he had a, as Ezekiel 28 says, that he was the most beautiful one and he had an amazing voice. Th- some theologians actually think that he was the worship leader of heaven. He was big and strong and beautiful and everything that God made him to be. And he chose to seek God's glory for himself. He chose pride. And it was in that that he fell. In Revelation 4 or 5, it says that he took a third of the angels with him, which would be a lot, right? And they are doing their work here. They are doing their work here. And it says that Satan is the little g God of this world. Satan is the ruler of this world. Anybody having struggle in this life? Anybody having pain and suffering and struggle and confusion? Anybody have a hard time in this world, in this life? It's not all good. Because Satan, this is his throne. We are sitting in his throne. We are living in his throne where he rules and where he reigns and he has his demons at work. Fallen angels, the spirits of God that he made good, they rebelled and they are at work. It's not all good. It's painful. You struggle with sin within? You struggle with sin of other people? He was the instigator of creating all of that. Now, God's not done yet, right? But it's important to not forget that. 2 Corinthians 11 says, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He is the accuser of the brethren, and he is a deceiver. Those are his names, And he goes about continuing to deceive. And he can reveal himself as an angel of light. We need to be careful to not be deceived, to test the spirits as we are exposed in truths. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. And that is captured well in Matthew 25, Jesus' words as he separates in his term the sheep from the goats. He says, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will eternal life. God created hell. It's a real place. It's a real place of eternal existence and separation from God. It was intended, as Jesus said, he is the authority on the topic. Matthew 25, he created hell for Satan and his demons. And in the appropriate time, as God is carrying out his plan and his judgment, he will seal them in there forever. 
For the time being, there is a spiritual battle that you are in and on, and Satan is after you. No joke. He is trying to tempt you and deceive you and convict you and, and have you full of guilt and shame. This is how he works. He wants to get you to sin, temptation, He wants you to sin, feel so bad about it, you forget about the grace and the mercy of God and beat yourself up. So he uses that against you. The fact that you followed him into sin and temptation, then he turns and he beats you up. You're dark, you're garbage, you can't do this, you don't know what you're doing, Jesus can't save you, don't go talk to him, don't tell anyone else. Right, they won't get it, they won't understand, and he keeps you isolated in the dark. That's his tactic, among other skills. You are in a spiritual battle. It's not all good. Straight up. Jesus knew that. That's why he is and has a myriad of warriors. He is at work so that you would inherit salvation that you would not take your eyes off of Jesus, you would continue to passionately pursue Jesus, you would radically love one another, you would compassionately serve your neighbors, you would relationally disciple your brothers and sisters because that works against Satan's works. As you participate with God and God's works, that works against what he's trying to do and it works in favor of what God's trying to do in your life. You are not alone. God made a ton of angels to support you, to care for you, to speak his truths, to lead you, to guide you, to help you in this unforeseen, this spiritual battle that every single one of us are in. And praise God, we know the war is won. The war is won. And so though we are in the battle and we are not done yet, the war is won. And so what the angels do is exactly what we do. And he calls us to participate with them in this same proclamation. The same proclamation. The S, angels sing and they proclaim God's praise. Angels sing and proclaim God's praise. It is one of the greatest things as they are warriors and they share God's word and they help and lead and guide and they serve. They proclaim Yeah, there's a spiritual battle. Yeah, there's a real enemy. But there is a greater truth that exists. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And his blood, what his blood had done, the angels marvel at your faith and walk and life and walking with this God and King that you have not seen that they do. As they stand before him face to face, they know exactly who he is and know exactly what they've done and they marvel at you and the journey that you're on here. Walking by faith, not by sight. It's a fascinating thing for them. They know who God is and they appropriately respond with fear, with awe, with worship, And you know how that manifests itself in their lives? Singing and proclaiming God. Singing and proclaiming God's goodness. I want to come back to this verse, this Revelation 5. 
And I want you to join with the angels, join and participate with the angels in this. Then look, I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders of the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads, thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who is slain. Will you guys join me in saying this? Will you stand up with me and sing and proclaim this truth? Join with the angels in proclaiming what you know to be true about God as you proclaim the work that he's done in your life and is doing and is not done yet doing. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, say with me, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb we bless and honor and glory my forever and ever. God is good, amen? amen? Let's join and sing and proclaim to our king with the angels.